for some reason. This week's episode is sure to destroy any final shred of faith you had in humanity. That's right, we're talking about everyone's favorite social network, Facebook, and how literally everything inside that online dumpster fire is fake and will probably give you cancer. Just kidding, I totally made up that cancer part. Or did I? <laughs> I actually did read on Facebook that Facebook causes cancer. Mmm, inquisitive emoji. And now here are the podcast hosts who always check their sources before saying something batshit crazy. Allison Goldberg and Jennifer Jamula. Everyone, I'm Jen. I'm Allie. Welcome to Two Girls One Podcast. Allie and I are performers who had a show, live show called Blog Logs for a long time, where we used the internet as a script and performed it on stage for an audience. It was a comedy show, um, and that led us to creating a web series, doing some <laughs> other projects in the web series. We it was funny. I, I swear to God, <laughs> I know you don't believe us, but it was. Uh, and in Two Girls One Show, we interview people behind the internet posts that we've been performing for a lot of years, went on scripted adventures, and thought it would be really fun to do more interviews. So we started this here podcast with The Daily Dot and Mr. Matt Silverman. Hello. We're very happy to be here. Yes. Hello. So today we're speaking with a friend, somebody we have met before in real life, believe it or not. Oh, so God. we... Uh, what? What? It Was that the IRL so reaction? I, uh, <laughs> oh, because I said I have a friend. Just bringing your friends on the show. It's just nepotism. I know. <laughs> So actually, you know, we we often talk about the blog log, the comedy show that we did. It was it was, it was funny. funny. It was funny. Uh, no, we did blog logs. We talk about the web series, but we don't talk too often about a different project we had, which was Jen and I created an event called No Text Weekend, which was supported by the Mayor's Office of Tech and Innovation. Um, now, now it feels like there's so many bigger problems in the world. I mean, there there are, and there always have been. But we were really fascinated by how technology was really changing how we communicate, and specifically how texting is so devoid of empathy and people take the easy way out and they cancel on things and basically like use texting as an excuse to treat each other like shit. So we created this weekend, no text weekend where we had people just take a little pledge to talk instead of text, which I still kind of love anyway. And Eric, who we're speaking to today did this amazing photo series that had just gone viral and we reached out to him on a whim and thought maybe this guy will participate and he did. That's right. So he'll tell you about that photo series in a bit, but we had events all over New York city um, related to this idea of bringing back communication, which is also when we first did our show, how to break up by text where we perform and analyze audience members, text breakups. Okay. I'm out. All right. Peace. Um, yeah. See ya. Uh, and sure. <laughs> we're talking to Eric about fake Facebook events. You might not have realized that some of the events you see on your Facebook feed are fake. Um, but Eric did. He opened his page one day and saw this. You know, he'll tell us the story, but essentially he created an art project out of this where he would travel to these fake events 
and see what was up, if things were really happening, what happened, and he would document them with photographs. So um, definitely check out his work. He's awesome. He did you know local TED Talk. He's had multiple other projects. And his name is Eric Pickersgill, and we will speak with him in a moment. Why would anyone create a fake Facebook event? Is this yes. just good question? People have too much time to on their hands. Right. Way too much time. Yeah. Remember when people had hobbies? What's that? It sounds like a hobby to me. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. Like they would collect stamps and <laughs> I'm hor- play instruments. Horrified, horrified at how much time. Maybe fill a bunch of glasses with different levels of water yeah. and try to play them. Horrified at how much time I spend looking at my phone. And I feel like I've done a really good job at cutting back on social media. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's always at the expense of like playing piano, which I love to do and haven't done in a few months or, you know, reading a book, which will make me smarter. Will it? I think hobbies have gone to shit, Ali. I think you're right. <laughs> Hashtag bring back hobbies. Yes. Bring back hobbies. Let's have a new weekend festival. Well, now that yeah. my insomnia is slightly better, I need to I need to work on my ukulele again. Mm. Which I was really good about for one month. Yeah. And then stopped. Yes. Well, like when you had all all that extra terrible time in the middle of the night when you were awake, didn't you like couldn't you have done the ukulele then or no no <laughs> sorry. those are just hours of misery <laughs> okay i'm sorry misery. <laughs> yeah okay. although i did read i did just start to fucking give up and read a lot of books in the middle of the night which was kind of nice okay okay yeah between not swiping and insomnia i've been reading a lot of books it's been great you are a reader <laughs> and now you're much smarter and more successful yes. than you were before is that true i i don't know about that part <laughs> But I like looking at this as trolling as a hobby. And so let's let's make a distinction. There are productive hobbies and uh, and hobbies that are still hobbies, but maybe we would view them as destructive, like tricking people seems like a bad thing. But clearly people are having fun doing this, I assume. Right. Well, it goes back to the idea of just like pranks in general, too. When is a prank Mm -hmm. good and when is it mean spirited? You know? Yes. Right. So what's happening here? People are showing up for events and there no one's there. Yeah, there's all these fake events. Like the main one that got it started, I think, is like he found like a fake Limp Biscuit concert. Yeah, but and people, people were there. Yeah, because he photographed it. So <laughs> honestly, right. though, Limp Biscuit. Uh, let's move on. Why right. is anybody showing it's up? On Don't you. trash talk Limp. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's on you. Yeah. <laughs> biscuit. Yeah, yeah. I would like to attend a fake Hoobastank concert <laughs> if I had my brother. Is Hoobastank your number one hobby, Matt? Yes, I am a number. I have a whole room. You guys have been to the house. We, we've yeah, been to the, the Hoobastank room. room. To yeah, d- the Hoobastank memorabilia room. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's that's where you sleep, right? There, all yeah. seven <laughs> concerts. I have. I have the merch. His wife wanted a third child, but there's no room because of the Hoobastank <laughs> memorabilia. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's fair. But the real conversation, hopefully today, will be around what people are choosing to believe, and you know what Facebook is allowing to be on it. That is not true. Um, yeah, I'm sure all of you saw this whole Area 51 thing recently, too, in the last couple of weeks. So, yeah, I think we'll get into that with Eric. Though. And that whole election thing with fake Oh, yeah, news. just that, that little thing. Um, yeah. It's just like Facebook is just like a little bit of a fake thing problem. Mm-hmm. Fake bug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not familiar with that story. Fake profiles, fake events, fake news. I just saw another headline about a woman scammed by a military veteran on Facebook who turned out to be, you know, 
some scammer, not a not a not an Iraqi veteran. You know, was it the guy that we interviewed? No, okay. like just just yet another just, okay. episode of that happening. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Go back and listen to that uh, Facebook scammers episode. Right. Well, truly one of our best. I love that I love one. That one too. Yeah. I finally watched the show Catfish, and it was kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone thought she was talking to some famous rapper, and the the person did send her like ten thousand dollars. So she was like, it must be. Him, we're in love, we're gonna raise our kids together, yada, yada, yada. But she was also like, all right, is it really this famous rapper? I forget which one, but it was a famous rapper. And so, you know, the guy, <laughs> Nev, the host, wasn't Kanye, <laughs> the host comes in, <laughs> tracks down the person, and it's a woman. Mm-hmm. But the craziest part is the woman who was pretending to be this male rapper, like still thought that the woman she catfished would want to be with her. Yeah. Hmm. And the the victim was like, I'm not a lesbian. <laughs> like, it was wild how confident this woman was that it was like, we had a connection. And I thought, you know, when right. you saw me, it wouldn't matter. It's like, what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane. I mean, sadly, this is a lot more common than I think we realize. Um, I think, you know, somebody I know said that a friend of theirs had a a grandmother, I believe, who just got scammed out of a lot of money. I think it was on Facebook. So, Ali, have you ever catfished anyone? Huh. Yes, I have. <laughs> have you? I have. Okay. Yeah, but this is like when I was in like middle school or not, like Lainey and I, maybe she doesn't want to be named. We'd go into these <laughs> chat rooms, you know, with like AOL dial up and like, I pretty, I'm sure we pretended to be older <laughs> than we yeah, were. Yeah, yeah. That's it. It wasn't, I know, you were excited. We have a comedian friend who like, pretended to be a dude because she's a lesbian she's pretended to be a dude so she could like talk to women when she was really young and then it turned out she was talking to someone who was also pretending to be the opposite gender yeah <laughs> like they're both catfishing in real life oh uh, and they, in a chat and they ended up dating yeah or something like that is this in a chat online, yeah, or, online or in real life this was online they both were, okay. t- were pretending to be the opposite gender or something like that well that's a great story yeah let's bring them on the show please <laughs> Actually, but maybe could. <laughs> anyway, yeah. I just think it's 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 cute that um, everyone thinks Allie is uh, is a thirty something. Yeah, I'm woman, catfishing right but now. You're actually a twelve year old boy, and I right. and I don't think anyone knew no. that. That's so. why my voice is this way. Yeah. Right. Is it trivia time? Yes. Who would like to hear some trivia? No one here, oh, but we, we're gonna we have to do it anyway. Adult, but <laughs> good. Well, guess what? I do not have trivia. I have some email yes. from listeners. <laughs> We had a tremendous response about our macrophilia episode. Uh, You've probably already listened to it, but if you're new to the show, go back a couple episodes. Uh, This fetish around size change, usually involving uh, giant women. Uh, Fascinating stuff. And like a lot of people responded saying, hey, thanks for covering this. Uh, Derek writes in to the email address, 2g1podcast at gmail.com. Dear Two Girls, One Podcast, I just listened to your show for the first time, the Macrophilia episode, and loved it. As a member of that community, I can say it was nice to not feel it was super weird for people to talk about it. After listening, I was super disappointed that you guys didn't get to the eating people questions. Mm. Uh, so the subject of this email is do a vor show, V-O-R-E, mm-hmm. which we have talked about yes uh, have we not a we've vor talked about feeding i think that's a little different vor because okay. i think vor i believe is wanting to be consumed 
Yes, that is what Derek says, okay. and says that there is connection between the giantess uh, fantasy and the consumption fantasy. So Vor and Macrophilia sound like they are adjacent, and perhaps uh, Vor is something we uh, should explore. Fantastic! Yes, we should explore on the it, Vor. On it, on it. Thank okay. you for that recommendation, Derek. Thank you, Derek. We will be contacting Vorers. I well, we'll find out what they're called. And actually, if you have anyone to connect us to, you can hop into our Discord. And chat us there. Discord.gg slash juju1p. That was so much better than trivia. You're welcome. Trivia, what fetish have we not covered? <laughs> Is it A? Vor. Vor? Yeah, we've also talked about the feeders and the feedies, but we're worried there's a lot of health right. issues there. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do we have another email? Not right now. Oh, damn. Save All them. right, guys. Let's get to the real ads now. It's a real, <laughs> it's a sponsor. Somebody who's paying for us to be this, here. We got to get the sponsor yeah. message. Yes, right. yes. It's time for a break. We'll talk more about fake Facebook events after this very important and highly monetizable advertisement. And now a real advertisement entitled $850. Looking for new roommate, Capitol Hill, from the Tinder for platonic cohabitation, Craigslist. I have a bedroom. 12 by 14 feet available for a male or female roommate. My previous roommate just moved out since his work for the federal government took him to another city. We'll be sharing a bathroom, kitchen, and living room. The apartment is spacious and well lit by natural light. A little about myself, I work at the Department of Defense as a researcher and I'm also pursuing a master's degree at Georgetown. I really enjoy reading, hiking, playing kickball with my friends and drinking good beer smiley face i go out a lot on the weekends but once in a while i stay home and just watch a movie if you're interested please contact me by email and tell me a little about yourself one more thing please read this so we don't waste each other's time on our bathroom door is a checklist i like to keep a record of my bowel movements and i expect you to do the same it's just a simple checklist with each day of the month simply place a check on the day if you have a bowel movement it's no big deal. You needn't worry about replacing the list. I'll take care of everything. Hope to hear from you. How'd you find my ad? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was you. I, I can just tell. I can tell. You you tried to, you tried to be anonymous, but I could tell. <laughs> you moved to Capitol Hill. You just went to LA. Yeah. You know what? I'm an international woman of mystery, and by international, <laughs> I mean national. Yeah. She leads a double, maybe triple life. Within yeah. The, yes. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Are we not going to comment on all the great data that this roommate uh, will collect? Because oh. like it, it's you will find out a lot of good info. Yeah. Yeah. Timing. I also missed a really clear pun about how I live a double life. Oh. <laughs> Not clear. And thank you. Not Uh, clear at all. Yes. (laughs) All right, everybody. So it is time now to speak with Eric Pickersgill, who is a photographer and artist. Welcome, Eric. Hi. Thanks. Hi. (laughs) So (laughs) it's kind of, we know each other somewhat. So (laughs) it's not like we're just meeting. But we'd love if you could give our listeners who are likely just meeting you now, an idea of your background as an artist and what led you to getting so deep into your exploration of technology and how the internet influences our lives. Sure. Yeah. So I'm an artist photographer, like you said, and I started photography in high school. I was just super lucky to have a photography program at my high school that had a dark room. 
And I think a lot of photographers who had this experience in, in the darkroom can always remember that first print they ever made um, where you see it kind of emerge from the from the chemistry under the red light. Um, and, and so that kind of magical experience with photography was really what got me introduced to it. And after high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do career wise. I was kind of in and out of going to community college and I was really into riding BMX and going to punk shows. Um, and I kind of would bring my camera with me just to kind of present occupancy. It was almost like having the camera around my neck was this like ID badge that allowed people to place me. Uh, I was kind of an anxious, like nerdy kid and, and kind of socially awkward. So to have that like reason for being somewhere um, like made me feel a lot more comfortable in otherwise uncomfortable settings. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I, I learned a lot about photography throughout that time. I got my first digital camera um, and was kind of shooting between film and digital. And this is all at the turn of the the century. This is like, you know, high school for me was 2002 uh, or I graduated in 04. Um, and uh, eventually I ended up in Chicago and started studying photography at Columbia College Chicago and did the four year program there. Um, and actually, it was an amazing situation living there because we had this warehouse space. And so six other guys I went to high school with all moved up to Chicago with me. And we were all living in this warehouse where uh, we kind of did whatever we wanted. We built ramps and we had uh, a dark room off of our kitchen. And we just were constantly working on projects or partying or kind of mixing the two. <laughs> and Ramp, uh, Ramps for skateboarding or for? Yeah, for oh, BMX okay. and skateboarding. Yeah, BMX, like oh, our okay, living room was like a half pipe, essentially. <laughs> got you. I thought that was a photography yeah. term I didn't know about. Okay, No, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Sometimes I do get caught up in that jargon. So I appreciate that. Um, that sounds like a serious man cave in the form of a warehouse. <laughs> it was, it was. And we were like, you know, I, in art school, they don't have uh, fraternities or kind of, or at least at my art school, there wasn't like... <laughs> Shocker. Yeah, right. <laughs> Who would have thought? Um, but we we were kind of like our own like punk fraternity in a way. Um, I mean, we we just really stayed inside. It was kind of crazy. All this stuff in Chicago was happening. Um, we were there during the uh, Obama election, um, which actually we did go outside for that. I was part of that mass group of people in Grant Park on election night. But um, we we just kind of had our own little like Neverland. It's like Lost Boys. We just partied and had our, our little fort. Okay, so then technology. <laughs> yeah, uh, we didn't have much of it in the warehouse, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it was a simpler time. <laughs> it was. Um, yeah, I, we I had don't, ramps, man. <laughs> yeah, ramps. We had ramps and chemicals. Like we were, that's all we needed. Um, <laughs> it's kinky. <laughs> it, it was. Yeah, It's a different show. So yeah, in 2015, I started working on a project called Removed and the series is made up of uh, several portraits of people. Um, I, I call them staged portraits because they are almost performances of people just staring into their empty palms. And so right before I make a portrait of someone, I would physically remove the phone from their hand and then ask the person to continue that stare and that gaze into their, their palm. Um, and so what you're left with with those pictures is this series of uh, this kind of cold, almost isolating um, and surreal photograph of uh, the way that we're so entranced and, and seduced by our screens. Um, and so when you remove the phone, it obviously points directly towards the thing that's missing. We all kind of fill that in immediately. Um, so that project really was a big introduction for me to be thinking about the way that screen culture and devices um, and you know the, all of that kind of umbrella topic gets boiled down into social media and the internet. Um, it, it got me thinking about the bigger pictures of how uh, all of pretty much every aspect of our lives is being being altered or converted in a way during this digital revolution. 
Well, we agree. Uh, and that's how we found you. That series went super viral. So if our listeners haven't seen it yet, you should go check it out. Um, and then we met. And then I actually recall you telling me that you were going to do this no-show project. And you did. So well done. Um, do you <laughs> want to tell our listeners about it? Yeah. So no-show, you're right. I was kind of working on it starting in May of 2016. So the Remove series went viral in late 2015. And then a few months later, it was almost like, hey, what am I going to do next? And um, I was just working on some stuff on my computer. I opened Facebook and there it was in all of its glory, the uh, Facebook event showing up in my timeline where maybe three or four of my friends had RSVP'd. And the title was Fred Durst live at Rose's discount store. And <laughs> that's that was my immediate reaction. I laughed. Uh, and then I started digging into it. And I was like, this is strange because it almost looks like it's real. Like uh -huh. people are asking about it. And then all of a sudden people were Photoshopping their own Ticketmaster tickets for the show and uh, saying that they were calling the store and the store was saying it was it was uh, sold out. Um, and I guess the the context, too, is, you know, Fred Durst, he's the front man of Limp Bizkit. Um, and uh, that, you know, like it or not, that that music was a part of a lot of our lives, I think, in, in the <laughs> early 2000s. Yeah, just um, <laughs> note for me, I, I saw them in concert at Penn State. I remember I went there to visit my brother who was in college when I was in high school to see them perform. <laughs> Not at, um, not at Rosie's convenience store. You didn't. That's no, not where you unfortunately saw them? not. Yeah, <laughs> but this is wild. So it, it, the reaction you were seeing was a mixture of people like embracing the fakeness of it, and also people completely buying into it. Yes, exactly. Yeah, people were like perpetuating the the fakeness of it, and then other people were caught up in the middle. Um, so I, I knew immediately I was going to go. Uh, it was like scheduled. I think I saw it maybe like two weeks before the actual listed uh, date and time. Uh, and so I just watched it grow um, and it turned to, you know, a couple hundred people to a couple thousand by the by the end of it. And um, and during that time, too, I started to see more. So more people were kind of doing this copycat um, trolling, if you will. And they were like, hey, I'm going to make my own uh, fake event. And they all kind of had uh, the one thing they had in common was they would all capitalize the word live in the description uh, of the show or the in the title of the show. Um, and then like Nicolas Cage got sprinkled in. I feel like he's such content for trolls all the time. Yeah. Um, so he was going to like do monologues at various locations. Um, <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't show up at the Sears in Tennessee I went to, but uh, <laughs> I was hoping. <laughs> yeah. What were you expecting going into this first event at Rosie's? Like, did you expect anybody would be there? Did you expect hundreds of people would be there? I, I, I really didn't know. I really didn't know. Um, there was a lot of people who were saying they were going to go and who were going to go who were local. And there were even people like driving by. Um, I remember the day before the event, some guy uh, took a picture of like a semi that was like unloading, you know, merchandise into the store, like a normal delivery. And he was like <laughs> commenting on how that was like the tour bus. And that was like the structure that was getting delivered. The stage was being set up. Um, and, and it was like convincing. And then the news, the local news picked up on it, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and there's this one one interview where the guy who created the event, he's he's in the parking lot. And it's like the day before the show and they're interviewing him. And someone comes like just blasting through the parking lot behind him, just like listening to like I did it all for the nookie or something. Um, <laughs> and, and the guy just kind of like like casually looks over his shoulder, like points and grins and goes, Limp Biscuit fan. And it's just like, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it was all over the news that night. I was like, this is so amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the news, to be clear, did this predate the explosion of sort of the alarm over fake news with the 2016 election? It did. It did. And that was something else I was thinking about because um, there, uh, around this time, you know, May, I, I'm not sure exactly the timeline when, when the candidates were like locked in, when it was like the Trump Hillary race. Um, but I remember around that time that just like the, the memes were, were propagating. Uh, and um, my, I have conservative family members. And so I would look at their Facebook feed just kind of like over their shoulder and you would see how their content was so drastically different than like my own kind of liberal musings, you know? And um, I was like, who's, you know, like we're all just being bombarded with these like immediately um, like heightened, uh, like scare tactic uh, type of imagery and like who who's actually truthful. And, um, and what's crazy too, I started to notice in that time was that the comments were filtering. So if I wanted to go find that meme, uh, about um, Donald Trump, like a, a very positive piece about Donald Trump, the responses that I saw, the ones that were populated in the comments were ones that aligned with my worldview, which was a more liber liberal state of mind. So then you could then look at the top sorted comments on a conservative person's page and you would see that there wasn't any of the criticism at the top. Um, so like I, I followed Trump on on Twitter uh, and I, I read because I would just I'm, I'm always fascinated to hear what's going on. Um, but all I see in the top comments are just like, you know, the people like, you know, talking shit and saying, fuck you. Um, but then if you look at that same post by someone else who is conservative, the top comments are very positive. So um, I did not realize that extended to the comments. Yes, it's all filtered. All of it. Every single piece of it. All um, right. Well, yep. I'm going to go kill myself. Um, <laughs> oh, don't do that. <laughs> so back to these events. So, okay, tell us more about this Limp Biscuit events. What went down? Yeah, I got there early. Um, I remember I wanted to go inside and uh, and buy a, buy a drink. I wanted to give myself like legal uh, like purpose. So I, I wanted to be a customer, right? So if the police showed up, if things got crazy, I could just, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to flash my Mountain Dew receipt. And... <laughs> I'm allowed to be here because I, yeah. I bought something. Right? So I was like trying to pay my way in. Um, and then I saw a couple people walking around the store who were doing like Facebook Live. Um, and I didn't have the like, I was still kind of nervous. So I, I didn't say anything to them yet. And I didn't have my camera with me. Um, and then that's when I noticed this actually the sign on the front door of the building. And uh, maybe I, I don't know if you all be able to share some of the pictures, but um, it just is a very specific note that just says in like bold Sharpie, like this is a fake event. There is no concert here today like thanks management um so like it, it you know like at the least it like it did manifest itself in a physical way that this manager just hated his job even more than he did two weeks prior um <laughs> but but yeah so uh, after like maybe 20 minutes of hanging out in the parking lot i started setting up my camera just to like at least go take pictures of the sign on the door um people just started getting out of their cars so i realized that people were kind of in their cars waiting for something to happen um, and then the guy who created the event showed up and then all of a sudden there was this like rush of 10 to 12 people into the store and they're all buying Sharpies and posters and they're making like Limp Biscuit posters. And then people are starting to play Limp Biscuit music in the parking lot. Um, and then I remember hearing someone because we're all kind of gathering into a group and someone was like, hey, Fred Durst just like tweeted at us. Uh, he said he'd be here except he's in South America. And so then we were all <laughs> <laughs> he'll be right there. <laughs> yeah, he'll be right there. Yeah. So 
it, it was interesting. So he responded, you know, he like acknowledged it. Uh, and I think that that got people really hyped. So then then the crowd grew. They were making posters, like asking people to like honk if they loved limp and um, <laughs> right. Like someone made like a chocolate covered starfish uh, and hot dog flavored water posters. Um, so it was just like it was just this silly thing. You know, it was like people wanted something to happen in their small town and it did. Um, but at the same time, there still were the people just com- constantly posting and who were like wondering whether or not it was real. And I talked to this one older couple who was there um, and they were like scoping it out. And, and I asked them sincerely and they were like, yeah, we kind of thought it could happen. Um, <laughs> and that's that's like the tricky part, right? Like that's yeah. the part that get, got me like concerned, you know? Right, right. So you met the man who created it and like, what did he have to say? Yeah, he was he was just excited that something happened. Um, he so he. I I don't know if he was like, I I don't know what he wanted to get out of it. You know, like he never gave me a concrete answer other than he just seemed excited that he made this thing. Um, So by the end of it, to conclude the event, we all ended up going to this like small Mexican restaurant. Um, This guy who claims to have known Fred Durst growing up, um, uh, his name's Chip. And he actually says that Fred Durst used this alter ego of his character on the Tom Green show. Um, and so he actually used this guy's name and I never looked it up, but I, I kind of believe the story. Um, so anyway, that guy bought us all a round of, of tequila shots at the restaurant. So it was probably like 15 or 20 of us at this Mexican restaurant. Um, but yeah, it, it, it just, it was just so bizarre to see that all these people wanted to come out and do this. Um, and then I, I realized driving home, I was like, this, this, this means something bigger, but I should just kind of keep following down this rabbit hole, see where yeah. it takes me. And how far did you travel from your home? to get to Rosie's? Um, so Morganton was like an hour and a half. So okay. I was lucky there. That was actually the closest fake event that I ended up attending throughout this kind of two years. So how many fake events did you attend in those two years? I think it's been, I think I hit 16. Um, okay. And then I've kind of, yeah. And then I've somewhat put it on a hiatus. I had, we had our baby and now I'm like. Babies, they get in the way of everything. It totally does. <laughs> <laughs> So tell us about some of the other events. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. So I went, I went to go see Mudvayne at the family video in Columbia, South Carolina. And that one was at 2 a.m. on 4th of July. So that one was really inconvenient. Um, <laughs> Were there people there? <laughs> no, I was definitely the only asshole there. <laughs> I think I was hosting friends, too. So I like had to like have a dinner. We had like family and friends over for the holiday. And then I was like, all right, well, you guys go to bed. I'll see you in the morning. I got to go drive to Med- Mudvayne right now. Um, my <laughs> wife's just shaking her head. So but. what did you photograph for that one? Just yourself so looking I did- lonely and sad? <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't do any self-portraits. I, I just kind of shot the um, just the front of the family video. And because it's so dark and I still use the old school film camera, um, the pictures were like 30 minutes long. So it was like 30 minute long exposures. And I did three of them. So I was there for an hour and a half. Okay. Um, so I just kind of sat around in my car. It was... It sucked. It wasn't fun. <laughs> no Mountain Dew or tequila ever. this time. Yeah. Neither. You're right. I and that I should have gone one way or the other. I think that would have been better. <laughs> Definitely the tequila. <laughs> right. And so what yeah. is it about these fake events that draws you to them and why do you think people are creating them? I, I think that the people and just like kind of with this this big Area fifty one uh event, um mm-hmm. they're they're just doing it for fun. Like it's, it seems like a prank to them. And I ended up interviewing, um, I think I did about 
five to 10 interviews um, via Skype with people who made the event. So the ones who would actually like reveal their identity. Um, and a lot of them just said they did it out of humor. They did it because other people were doing it. It was like meme culture meets um, like a, a more risky venue, like a, a, a more tangible um, setting, right? So you can launch a meme and you see it travel around and that's exciting for people, um, whether it's satirical or factual. Um, and that only goes so far. But then I think for people to have something manifest itself in the real world makes them excited. Maybe we're all just like, maybe we're restless now. We've been living inside this internet for so long. People want to revert back to the physical world. I don't know. I hope so. <laughs> yeah, too. I know. Me too. <laughs> me too. Uh, but yeah, but to troll people, not to get outside. That's true. Just to, to mess with people. Yeah, that's not fun. But yeah, I was right. I was going to say the skeptic in me like wonders, did you ever feel unsafe at any of these events? I could see it as a way to get people together for not good reasons, potentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the like family video one I was probably the worst because it was middle of the night. I was by myself. Um, you know, I mean, it was like I, I feel like I'm a pretty assertive guy, but um yeah, I mean, for the rest of them, you kind of just know that it's okay. I mean, it was mm -hmm. like, they're like, during the day, they're very public places. I think that was part of the satire was to like, place the, the you know, washed up pop rock star in the uh, department store, you know, <laughs> right? Um, just to like, you know, rub their nose in it a little bit. But yeah, I can't think of any that were like scary. Yeah, okay. it, that was probably the only one. Mm -hmm. Did any of them turn out to be real? To where the artist actually showed up, something like that, yeah, yeah, where you yeah. thought it was a fake event and it was real. Well, I mean, the, I, they're all they're all real, right? Like they're all. <laughs> what they're, is they're real? All, That's a good point. Exactly. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, but it's like, yeah, if it's it's uh, if it has a time and a place, you know, it's like, did did the uh, did anyone hear the tree fall? You know, because um, it's gonna happen, right? Like people are still there. Uh, management's still gonna get at least one phone call um that someone wants to find out the validity and now with this area 51 storm area 51 event there's three million people that are involved in it i think two million are going so it says for um, our listeners who don't know what that is can yeah. you just give a little background yeah so it was early july that i just saw um immediate actually no it wasn't even i didn't even find it people started sending this to me because they knew that i was interested in this um but it, it, in early july it picked up on national news this this guy created an event saying Storm Area 51, they can't stop all of us. Um, <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like a pretty invigorating concept, right? Like we, I think a lot of people feel so disenfranchised with what we can do collectively because mm -hmm. um, we are so isolated now. But like, this, I don't know, who knows what will happen. But but it it's really interesting to think about if this many people are like even jokingly saying they're going to go to this, but all of a sudden the Air Force is issuing official statements and teaching their like soldiers what the Nutura run is like it's a big deal. <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, it shows a big piece of possibility. Are um, there consequences to making up shit at that grand of a scale where it's like the government's getting involved? I don't know, and I, think I can't we're believe about Facebook hasn't out. taken it. We are, <laughs> and I can't believe Facebook hasn't taken it down yet. I yeah. can. I was. <laughs> <laughs> it puts them in an odd position because it does say like when you when you actually go to create an event you're you're acknowledging their user agreement that you are creating something that's real so i guess like i said before if it's got a time and a date and a real location it, it is real um so yeah i don't know if he could be held accountable 
Um, he's he is. I mean, it is directly eliciting storming Area 51. Um, but then it also says that they're going to be meeting at a at a like legal physical space that's not on site in the base. It's like this um, tourist attraction Area 51 Alien Center, um, which is where I've booked my very close to where I've booked my Airbnb. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm going. I'm, totally going. Going to Nevada. I'm going. Yeah, I've, I'm booked. Um, Are you going to Naruto run into the Air Force? Base? I am. I am very clearly openly stating that I do not plan on entering participating illegal. Okay. Okay. Not doing it. Yeah. My son needs me. What if you see aliens? (laughs) We will definitely see aliens. Yeah. Uh, The thing that comes to mind regarding um, speech and what is fake and what is real Mm -hmm. is shouting fire in a crowded theater. Mm -hmm. You are, that is not protected by freedom of speech. Mm Uh, so if you say, hey, everyone, let's storm a government building and that um, leads to some sort of conflict, then I think I, I assume a lawyer or would say you are re- liable yeah. for that person's injury. I think you're right. And I actually spoke to someone who is retired um, um, like national intelligence, uh, and he essentially told me that um, the Air Force will be able to claim that anyone storming that would be an act of terrorism, which we know what that gives them the rights to do, uh, which is all of the rights to do whatever they want since the Patriot mm-hmm. Act. So, yeah, so I don't I don't know what's going to happen, um, which is specifically why I'm not planning on going anywhere that I'm not supposed to be. Um, <laughs> but I do want to, you know, meet the people who, who are there and um, kind of get a survey of it. It's it's it it does like artistically feel almost outside of my realm. So like the removed project is very staged. It's a, a, about a very specific meaning. Um, and this project like leans more into the like documentary uh, mm-hmm. style of making work, which is not normally my thing, but um, we believe in you. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> and aliens. <Yes>. <laughs> I don't see why not. It's yeah. the world's too big. The universe is too big. There's gotta be some, I think a lot of people are going to show up to this one. I do too. Yeah. I think it's it's going to be crazy. I think that the the city is not prepared for it. So the I was reading this morning that the the like sheriff of one of these small towns of like I think it's a population of like fifty four people. Yeah. Um. They're like, yeah, this is going to suck. So, <laughs> and I bet there'll be parties too. That yeah. Should be, that should be fun. I'm we'll see. Find those. Maybe some Probably ramps. A lot of ramps. Oh, yeah. I hope there's ramps. Yeah. <laughs> wow, great minds. Um, Eric, it was such a lovely example with Limp Bizkit of people like in this local town kind of forming their own little like band of friends at this event and going out together. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some other examples that you saw of these events bringing people together? The, so the, the, the Fred Durst one was the most. I mean, that was when we had the most amount of people and it lasted the longest. Um, so there was another one. It was um, on the top. The title was super long. It was like all these crazy acts. It was like uh, Chris Angel and Sasha Gray, the porn star. And uh, I don't know, a bunch of people. But it was Taco Fest 16. And it was at the Taco Bell in uh, <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. And that one, it was like there were people there that you could tell were coming through to check it out. Um, but then instead of stopping getting out of their car, they just kind of stayed in the drive through and got their chalupa and like left, okay. um, <laughs> which was hugely disappointing. So I'm like trying to like flag people down, you know, like you're scrolling through and seeing the people locally who are commenting, who you know, are going to be there. Um, and then they just kind of drive off and uh, you don't get to, to see them. So I didn't get to make a lot of pictures. And then the guy Carter who made the event was like, hey, by the way, my band is playing like a block away. And then I was like, oh, that might be why you actually made this. Uh. Um, 
So it funneled all of this attention towards this other event. So then I went to this smaller venue and there was like this, you know, this kind of electronic bass and drums. So it was a marketing event. Essentially, kind of. So yeah, then it was kind yeah. of a real event. It was. There was a real, yeah, it was Carter's band. It's buddy. It's <laughs> <laughs> buddy. So what, yeah. what were you hoping to find with this project? And what have you found? <laughs> Knowing, like, so halfway through it and seeing the kind of divisiveness that was happening, especially during 2016, leading up to the election, I was really hoping that people would see this as a kind of nonpartisan um, example of how Facebook and social media specifically is is kind of duping us and how it's becoming harder and harder to see what's real and what's not. And so I thought this would be kind of a grounds for having that conversation. And um, I, I don't know if it has fully yet. And I, I, I'm hopeful that we can d- dig deeper into that topic. Um, but we're all just, nobody gives a shit, it feels like now. <laughs> I, maybe like we're aware, but we're ambivalent. You know, it just doesn't make us. I, I don't know. I really don't know. I bottom line, I, I I would hope that it helps people to check sources, to talk to physical people in the real world about the things they care about, and have some skepticism when it comes to what shows up in your feed. Well, this took a dark turn. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it comes down to digital literacy. Like people need to figure, I I don't know. So your removed series went super viral, which, you know, I'm sure is like its own hurdle of like, that is a difficult thing to to recreate. What has the audience reception been for the no-show series? Yeah, I I had a show uh, in Southern France um, of the the no-show project. Um, And it was part of this bigger photography festival. And so it was like pretty educated people who came and so I did a little talk about what it meant and what what my interactions were with the people who made the events and the people who were duped and people were just very surprised and at the same time they were it was almost like this nationalism stepped in where they were like yeah that makes sense in America Does it not <laughs> happen like, in other countries the way it happens here? I don't know. I don't know. I mean it seemed like the fad was definitely you know I I didn't have fake events populating in my feed from other countries. So there's a there's a there's a um there's an event now that's going viral um that people it's it's like scheduled for two or three days after area 51 and i think someone made it after they saw how big this was that they were going to go and find the loch ness monster um and so they were going to have teams of people one people were the group of people with straws who were going to be sucking the water out of the lake and then the people with sponges who would be sponging the water out of the the lake um, yeah that all makes a lot of sense nessie yeah yeah but so that one has like i think I don't know. I think it's like 500,000 people are going to go to that. And so then their Coast Guard issued a a statement being like, hey, we I think our lifeboat can save like 80 people. So (laughs) you guys shouldn't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe maybe it's catching on. Maybe maybe it'll happen more elsewhere. Um, Or maybe Facebook's going to have to redesign the way that they filter you think what's real and what's not yeah maybe <laughs> maybe i i'm really curious how do you um you are seeking out the fake ones so how do you find them how do you structure your facebook experience to find these trolley events you just have to follow other trolls i think is how i've been able to find okay. it yeah just so okay. 
the people who made the fake events in the first place, I think are part of kind of a bigger network of people who hmm. are into that kind of thing. And so once you, you know, associate, then it starts to populate. And you just like, if you didn't come up every once in a while, you got to go check that person's page again and see what they're posting about. Yep. You mentioned that the fake events all tend to have live in all caps. Are there other clues that you've, or patterns that you've witnessed in terms of what is fake? It's usually like really gaudy Photoshop jobs like that. That helps, you know, the header image is very important. So one of the events was um, Drake live at the Hooters in Atlanta uh, and someone photoshopped him, <laughs> like sitting on the front of the Hooters with his legs dangling off the side of the front of the restaurant. Um, so that was yeah, that was a fun one to go to. I was like, hey, Angie, my wife, I was like, I, I got to go to Hooters this weekend, so I'll be gone till Monday. She's like... <laughs> Just again, rolling she's like, her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm over here. My, my my wife's a doctor, so she's literally saving people's lives every day, and I'm just hanging out at Hooters, <laughs> taking pictures like a weird dad. So. You did things right. I gotta <laughs> yeah, find a nice thanks. doctor. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, uh, it's not a bad gig. Although residency's kicking her ass, I'm ready for her to be out of residency. Yeah, so yeah. she's. I don't get to see her much. Yeah, because you're too busy chasing yeah. Drake at Hooters. <laughs> so life choices. Anyway. Yep, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Additionally, you know, you asked about art, and I'm curious to know what you think about art being the antidote to sort of like our hyper-connected tech-driven society right now. I think every every social movement that happens in history, um, we always have art as the main reflection of that. Uh, and sometimes it, it takes generations for that work to surface that we get to see uh, what people were thinking about because all art is perception. You know, it's like people's reaction to what's going on, um, which is why it's not news and it's not necessarily factual. Um, and that's kind of the same thing as the Internet in a way, except now we have this digital archive um, that's like too big to even perceive. But um yeah, I don't know if that answered anything. I feel like I've just been talking in circles. But yeah, the the art the art is the reaction to what's going on. And I think um, people are going to keep making things um, that display the way that they feel about what's happening in the world. And and that's kind of the basis of my projects is to... I, I don't have any interest in making pretty pictures. Like you can find those on Google or you could just look outside. That's usually pretty nice. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> But yeah, to, to make things that look like the real world and then alter it in some way and people have to confront that and uh, suspend time and place for a little bit to think about an idea differently, um, that, that excites me a lot. And I think that that's the role of, of art. And I think that that's the thing that plays into art that has a long history that has um, like utility to it in a way. Um, I, I get bored very easily. So I like when things kind of twist or contort what I already think is real, you know? Well, I hope you solve fake news and find aliens. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> I really do too. At the least, I think I'll leave with some friends. So that'll be cool. Yeah. Just to meet some other strange yeah. people who had the means to get out there and see what happens. Um, it's basically Burning Man. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's yeah. And so I was actually reading, like, it sounds like now the creator like wants there to be some sort of EDM component. So it's you know. that's hilarious. Well, if it turns into a Burning Man esque event, I'll see you there. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, next year. Cool. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Eric. This has been amazing. You all are so welcome. I'm really happy to catch up and uh, I'll let you know how things go. Allie, did you get a ticket to Burning Man? 
No, I'm still looking. <laughs> you should totally go. I'm really upset about it. You should it. go to Area 51. Yeah, you think? I think this is like... Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it might be a little B-team. Like, people couldn't get into Burning Man, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think you should check it out. Or yeah. the opposite. These are the best people. <laughs> uh, Can I, I just got to ask a really stupid yeah. question. Like, you don't just go on Ticketmaster to get tickets for Burning Man, I'm oh, assuming. Sit down, Matthew. <laughs> How does this it's work? It's like a whole insider network, I think. Yeah, it's it's a thing like you have to, there's all these different registrations and yada yada. And then at the actual sale, it sells out in like two minutes and my browser just like pinwheeled and I didn't get a ticket. Huh. And there's okay. multiple sales. The final sale is this week. As you guys know, I've requested the time off from the podcast. Just yes. our <laughs> podcast schedule so that I can get my Burning Man yeah. ticket. I'm really worried about I it. I know, I know. Because I came back last year and I was like, that was the best week of my life and I don't, I have to, I can't believe I have to wait 52 more weeks and I don't mm-hmm. want it to be 104. Yeah. But then there has to be this whole underground market for you getting a ticket. Like, for, That's yeah. what I was asking. You're still trying to score via official channels, but then is there no, a way to get No, I've also been it? asking around because there are people who realize they can't use their tickets. I've yeah. been asking everyone. Like I go to bars and I'm like, nah, is anyone going to Burning Man? <laughs> Does anyone have an extra ticket? Uh, attention. Attention. <laughs> ding, Sorry ding, to ding, bother ding. you. If anyone has a ticket. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Listeners, if you know anyone, please. <laughs> I know. She is serious. Post on Facebook that you need a Burning Man ticket yeah. and then get back to yeah. me. But the other thing is like people start selling them for like a thousand bucks. I can't do yeah. that. No. Anywho. And wait, you're not scared of aliens anymore. I feel like I don't even know you. No, I'm terrified of aliens because if they abduct you, anally probe you, send you back to Earth, no one believes you. That's got to be traumatic. Yeah. But what if you go up there and they're kind of chill? <laughs> like, but they're never bringing and you home like again? it's like a really fun time. Like, what what might you be doing with them? No, I'd like to come home unless it's like really amazing, in which case maybe I don't. I don't but know. Is it like, are they like watching Netflix? I can't say. Like, if you're in like a creepy room, <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't want to be no, with... You. They're watching... Space flicks. All right. Anywho. Think of any, I I don't think aliens wish us bad intent. I think if they exist, they're probably pretty smart. But I guess I, I think of it like this. Think of any creature or animal that humans have discovered in the wild. And they're like, whoa, we've never seen this creature. Let's study it. And they may want to make sure it's safe and preserve it and study but like that's not going to go well for the specimen that they pick up like it's going to be in a jar and it's going to die you know what i mean like that's my mm-hmm. perception yeah no of- i'm gonna be in a jar and there's gonna have a couple little breathing holes made by a fork but right. i think that we also put our human lens on things where we're yes. a bunch of assholes and so we assume that's how other people would behave mm-hmm and mm-hmm. by people, I mean aliens, but mm-hmm. maybe they're way more advanced and they see that we're a bunch of savage assholes yeah. and they're way better than us. Yeah, I have one mm-hmm. living inside of me and it's much more advanced <laughs> than you might presume. Yeah. So would you, either of you, go to an event like this just to see? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously, <laughs> Obviously would, I'd go. Sure. Mad would not. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I would not go, but like, holy, this it's so... The, as this connects to like, why do people just believe shit yeah. in, on, in a Facebook feed? It just, it's so disturbing. Right. right. It's cool on an artistic level and the trolling and everything, but then deeply disturbing on a media literacy level. Right, right. 
I guess if it's happening in a small community of people and like they're all talking amongst each other in addition to the event, like, you know, they're at a bars together, people like I'm sure it starts to take on a life of its own, um, <laughs> which could be kind of fun. And the fact that Fred Durst tweeted at these people, I mean, it, it did actually become yeah, something. Yeah. That. Yeah, but then the Storm Area 51 thing isn't even a small town thing, right? There's like 2 million people RSVP'd or something. No, and that feels so different because they're, it's like a call to action to go like actually like penetrate government land. <laughs> like, yeah, right. it's illegal and it's just a different thing. So I hate to say it, but what Matt said is, you know, on the money where it's just like it's so disturbing for our digital literacy. And the fact that he did this before the election and then it only got worse. <laughs> like, yeah. And things aren't getting better. I love how Facebook's like, we're so sorry. We're going to change. Like, no, you're full of shit. You don't care. <laughs> I'm, you're just doing more. You're just hiring more PR people, I'm sure, and doing more spin. But yeah, there's sure. nothing they're actually doing to help the, prevent the, this. The best part of the, of the ongoing story is that the FTC, FCC, whichever body regulates, levied the biggest fine in history. Five billion dollars, and that and was then so. And stock went up. It went up because it was <laughs> such a low fine compared to Facebook's revenue. I I threw my phone at mm. the wall reading that. It was just. Yeah, but then you ridiculous. probably had to get a new phone. Yeah, but I was due for an upgrade. <laughs> I know okay. I need one too. <laughs> anyway, I like to believe that art could make some kind of change, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, at least an increasing awareness of these sorts of things. But as Eric was saying, yeah. like he feels like. He seemed pretty skeptical, saying that people he feels might be aware, but also just completely ambivalent. So I, I don't know. But incremental change, yeah. like he's gotten media coverage, you know, people see his work, people s would listen to him speak about this on our show. And then, you know, our listeners are very savvy, but like maybe one out of a thousand people might be like, oh, I never thought about it this way. And then they just become themselves more skeptical mm -hmm. of events or things or, or news headlines like that is something that is not right. nothing right art for the win yeah and this being so cool and that these are events that are you know happening close to people where they live so it does affect their everyday lives so maybe it you know impacts them more directly um mm -hmm. yeah well, if you've attended a fake Facebook event, tweet us. I'm at Allie Gold. I'm at Junebugger. And or if you've created one, let us know. Uh, you can email us at 2G1podcast at gmail.com. Or if you have a Burning Man ticket. Yeah, well, yeah. Let us know. Tweet me at Allie Gold. <laughs> okay, go on. Uh, you can call us. You can leave us a voicemail. Please do that. We love those. Uh, that number is 347-871-6548. That number again, 347-871-6LIT. And last but not least, join us in our Discord server, discord.gg slash 2G1P, where listeners of the show are suggesting show topics and having a discussion over the shows and many, many other things. Um, we love the conversation going on there. Discord.gg slash 2G1P. And Ali, if they want to contribute, how do they do it? You can go to patreon.com slash 2G1P. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. Two Girls, One Podcast is hosted by Jennifer Jamula and Allison Goldberg and will appear live at the Dollar Tree in Appleton, Wisconsin on August 14th. Being produced and edited by Matt Silverman in New York City. Production assistance is provided by the Podglomerate. This show is a production of The Daily Dot, the number one source for in-depth reporting about life on the internet. The Podglomerate. 
a sonic universe. <laughs> Goals. Waiting Goals. for it. Goals. We don't, we don't need, to... need to do it again. Okay. That was really good. Fabulous.